All right. Are we all ready? Now I gotta remember what I say. <laughs> Welcome to HR Wonder Woman. I'm your host, Wendy, and with me as always is Anne. Welcome, Anne. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I am well. Um, I was just listening to you and John in your 50th episode talking about how you don't talk about the weather anymore, but uh, you and I spoke briefly about the weather before you pressed record, and all <gasps> I can say is I don't want to live in South Dakota. No. Um, yeah, Burr. Um, yeah. pretty much encompasses it. Uh, we're waiting for the Brookings school to call off school for a couple of days. Cause we're, we've got, uh, minus 50 wind chills coming here. Um, yeah, I, and I'm sitting here going, I'm going to drive to work tomorrow. Hmm. 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 It'll be interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm good because I don't live in South Dakota. You still and- live here. I, it's going to be like in the forties and rainy or something tomorrow. I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. Well, it'll be okay. Uh, we will survive. We always do. We live in mm-hmm. warm houses. We're no longer in little thotties on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, technology really is our friend. Oh yes. Yes, it is. Um, so hopefully electricity and all that stays in place, uh, mostly for the heat and nothing else. Uh, because if it gets too cold in here, I, uh, we'll, we're going to go stay in the cars apparently or something. I don't know. So, um, but anyway, so this is our, uh, one-on-one episode. Ann and I kind of want to talk a little bit about our plans for HR Wonder Women and some of the fine tuning that we decided to do. Um, have to confess that this is take two. Um, because, uh, we kind of went down a rabbit hole (laughs) in the first recording, which it was good conversation. It was great conversation. I think we went down several rabbit holes (laughs) in the course of that conversation. And I, um, take a lot of responsibility for that. I get caught up in like, Oh, shiny. We could go down this, this conversation path, (laughs) but we, um, but we will not inflict all of that on our listeners. No, it, it kind of went in a different direction, which is, again, it was a great conversation, but not one that we are, not, it's not ready for prime time. We'll put it that there way. You go. Um, there you go. Because basically we, what we want to do is start really focusing on stories. Um, as Elena Valentine stated in our episode with her, the shortest distance between two people is a story. And we want to focus on the stories of our guests. But to do that, we kind of feel like we need to share a little bit of our stories too. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I was telling Anne about this that, so I've seen A Christmas Carol a gazillion times, (laughs) I'm sure. We, uh, we watch it faithfully every Christmas time here in, um, in our house and always the uh, uh, George C. Scott version. So highly recommend it. George C. Scott is fantastic as Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, but this year, especially after chatting with Elena, it kind of hit me a little bit differently that when um, Ebenezer was with the Christmas present and was hearing Tiny Tin's story, that you could see the light bulb come on and that uh, the poor were not this faceless band of objects, but they were actual people. And uh, it really hit home to me when uh, Scrooge asked goes to Christmas present. Well, what's going to happen to tiny Tim? And the ghost says, well, he's going to die, but if he should die, he should do it soon and decrease the surplus population. 
And Scrooge is all incredulous. Oh, you throw my own words back at me. How dare you? And the Ghost of Christmas present says back to him, now that you know who the surplus population is, maybe you'll take care when you're speaking in the future. And that's obviously not a direct quote. That's <laughs> how I remember right. it. But that's kind of what started this for me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I shared it with you and with you as well, that this is what we're doing. We're sharing mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. And we need to be in charge of our own stories. Right. Right. We need to control them. Right. Well, we need to be able we need to be able to tell our own stories and our own voices. And I think that that is a lot of what we're trying to do here with the HR Wonder Women is we are inviting women on to tell their stories in their voice and to speak their own truths and um, stories that we might not otherwise hear, um, but stories that need to be told and stories that need to be heard. Exactly. And, you know, it, it is in their own voice speaking for themselves with an HR twist. <laughs> well, we are an HR podcast. We are, we an, are HR an HR podcast. podcast. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. We, we do need to do that. Um, but one of the things that we've struggled with as uh, two white middle-aged ladies <laughs> is identify and identification, identification um, mm -hmm. and how do we refer to people? Um, and the best way to figure out how to refer to people is to ask. Right. Shocking. Shocking idea. It is. Um, but it's always been rude. You're not supposed to talk about those things. And well, we are not just two. <laughs> we are not just two uh, middle-aged white ladies. And it is funny because for the longest time, I didn't want to be referred to as middle-aged. And now I'm going to hang on to it for as long as I can <laughs> <laughs> before I move on to the next step. Um, no, but I mean, in all seriousness, we are not just. It's. It, we are two middle-aged white women who grew up in the Midwest where mm -hmm. we definitely learned um, in that time and place that you, it was rude to ask. We grew up in a very, like, you want to be colorblind. Um, yes. And it's rude, it's rude to point and it's rude to stare and it's rude to talk about things um, that are different and other. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, it took me a long time to get past that and find my own voice, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, I will say as a woman growing up in those times, um, you know, you and I talk about, about intersectional feminism and that we are white and we are feminists, but we don't want to be white feminists. But, but just from just a feminist perspective, growing up in that time, finding my own voice to where I felt comfortable just sharing my own truth right. took a long time. And so to come to that place where I could talk to a woman who is a person of color or who is LGBTQ or whatever, and like openly address it and say, so tell, so tell me about that. I need to know. I need to know because if we're not going to, if we're not going to look at feminism through a white lens only, then we have to know the stories of other women um, who are right. not white. Right. Yeah, and it was, you know, Margaret Spence mentioned it in our first episode where, you know, there's, there's a glass ceiling there mm -hmm. are, you know, roadblocks for women, but for women of color, for LGBT women, for disabled women, women who are not white mm -hmm. um, and whole, it, it's a concrete block. Right. You know, right. you can't just take it down. Um, so that's what we want to do. And it is through stories of mm -hmm. individuals. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's kind of where, um, where, where I 
where my start story kind of goes into too, but you know, so we'll start how we're going to start um, with self-identification. So um, Wendy is, I am white, female, straight, and I use the she, her identifiers. Um, Anne, wanted to identify yourself? Uh, pretty much the same. I am a white, straight, cisgender, non-disabled uh, woman. Um, I use the she, her, hers pronouns. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, too, for our guests, hopefully um, you will listen to this first before you join us, but please identify as you identify. Do not limit yourself to the identifications we chose because we don't know. We don't know. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I'm going to just put it out there. I don't know how you might identify and I want to know Mm -hmm. um, because then I can, I know how to just address you and Mm -hmm. know who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that this is, you know, th- this is important for us to do. Um, and so we're going to do it. So be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, be that's uncomfortable that's and the- shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but that whole idea, right, of being, of becoming comfortable with discomfort, I think yeah. that's the key, right? Like we're going to, we are, we cannot, um, Brene Brown said that if you think that you are being brave, but you're comfortable, you're not really being brave. True. And that bravery is really vulnerability. So I think the, the heart of what we're doing here is you and I are trying to make ourselves vulnerable, um, which is going to put us in some uncomfortable, conver- uh, uncomfortable places because we really want to if we are vulnerable, then our guests can be vulnerable and they can share their truths and it may not always be easy. Um, and we may struggle with our, our Midwest sensibilities and be <laughs> uncomfortable asking people some pretty straight questions. Yeah. Um, but you know what, we're just going to put it out there and yeah. we're going to expect that we're going to make mistakes. And when we do, we're going to pick ourselves back up and keep going. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's, that's who we want to be. Yeah. And tell us, please, yeah. you know, if, yeah. if we, for sure, um, if we've made mistakes or done something um, wrong, please call us on it because that's the only way we get better at this mm-hmm. um, is by learning from those mm-hmm. mistakes. And mm-hmm. so um, I am not afraid to uh, go out um, via video or on Twitter to say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's another thing we need to get better at as a society mm-hmm. is saying i'm sorry i messed up and not i'm sorry if you were offended right right that whole, <laughs> that's that whole, not an apology that is not an apology it's that <laughs> whole idea right of owning our impact not just our intentions because yeah. i will say that our intentions are always going to be good right like we're, in doing this podcast we have the best of intentions when our impact does not line up with that, we need to know and we need to take ownership. But I will also say that our guests are so gracious. They are. They're, they're just, they're so gracious <laughs> and they're so good to us. Um, I learned yes. so much every time, every woman that we have talked to, I have yep. learned so much and they all seem so willing to just um, take the time to talk to us and share their stories with us. And yep. um let us ask our awkward questions. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. It is. And we're going to keep is. getting better. 
it, we, and that's how we'll get better. And mm-hmm. so too, like, you know, like, as I said, we do want to share our stories. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I wish I had a camera for the first time you heard the first part of my story in because your eyes kind of popped when, um, I mentioned, you know, growing up in a small town in South Dakota, um, when you say small town, people don't quite understand, um, what small means. There were about 500 people in my hometown. Yes. I um, remember the first yeah. time you said that. I, my eyes did almost <laughs> fall out of my head. You know, when there's 26 kids in your graduating class, and that's a large class, um, you have very homogenous um, group. Uh, there's not a lot of differences in, um, in that group of people. And uh, we, South Dakota, it does have uh, a lot of uh, reservations. So that was our, um, that was our diversity, was the two or three uh, Native kids that were in our class. Um, but a lot of them chose to go to a school, a larger school that had a larger Native population. And I, looking back now, I don't blame them. Um, I probably would have too. But we were, uh, you know, 30 miles or less than that, actually, um, from the nearest reservation. Um, I know my mom did a lot of work with uh, Native children and helping them learn to read. That was her job was she was a reading teacher. So that's what she did in the summer because that's what you do as a teacher is you pick up extra jobs during the summer. Um, but it was, we all went to, most of us went to school, college. If you went to college, you went to college nearby. Very few went off into the world, um, into far off places. Um, I, some, some people did join the army and Navy or the military. Um, so that was the only way that you would get out and see the rest of the world. Um, so yeah, there was not a lot of diversity growing up in my school. Um, and, you know, it just was, it was an, an other. So when I would meet someone who was um, a minority, they were, um, I never saw them as a minority. I always saw them as just a person. But going to, when I did move to larger cities, then they really did become more of that other and became more of a group. And so it's taken time for me to learn um, to get to know people from their stories. And mm. it's being back in South Dakota once again, <laughs> it's once again hard to find that diversity. And so I, you know, for myself, I'm trying to seek it out by being involved on a national level with different groups, getting to know people, doing this is mm-hmm. helping that. And um, I think for me, Getting to that is trying to then also help other South Dakotans, help my current employer, other employers, ha- you know, get some diversity into South Dakota. Get some in- in- inclusivity into South Dakota mm-hmm. and help people tell their stories, because I think that's the heart of inclusion, is knowing yep. those stories. Yep. So. For sure. All right. Sure. Yes. So now, Anne, please share your story. Okay. So I grew up in the Midwest, but I did not grow up in quite so small a town. I grew up in Columbus, (laughs) Ohio. So I grew up in an actual city. Um, I don't know how diverse Columbus, Ohio, it was at that time in population, but it was still very segregated, right? So there might have been a a large black population. I'm sure sure there probably was, but um, not in my neighborhood kind of thing. And in fact, um, when busing started in Columbus, Ohio, way back in the day, because I am 
on the other side of middle <laughs> age. Uh, <laughs> um, so some kids were bused to my school, but it, it, it still didn't really impact me. Um, I just, I grew up, I don't know. Um, yeah, in a pretty homogenous place. And I didn't give a lot of thought to, to people from other backgrounds because, you know, didn't see it. And of course, back in, yeah. back in my day, um, <laughs> there wasn't even like a lot of diversity on television. There wasn't, right. you know, it was, it was, um, yeah, there, there just wasn't a lot of diversity anywhere to, to be seen. And so, um, then when I was in high school, I moved to a suburb of Washington, DC, and that was very different. Uh, Washington, DC at that time was still, um, chocolate city. It was predominantly black in my mm-hmm. suburb. That was not the case, but there was, there were, there were a whole lot of people who looked very different from me for the first time in my life. Washington, D.C. is also, you know, an international city. Mm-hmm. Um, people from all over the world uh, are, are here. So um, it was kind of my first taste of seeing a whole bunch of different people. And, I mean, I'll be honest, I think that still kind of in that school experience, it was still um, – it was segregated, you know, um, in the way that it still is now, right? There's yeah. the, the, the book, um, Why Do All the Black Kids Sit Together in the Cafeteria, which I may have just butchered the title, but it's like <laughs> that. Um, like that's been going on forever, right? Right. When I was um, newly married with young children and we bought our first house, we bought a little townhouse in a, um, in a neighborhood and um, that neighborhood was the most diverse neighborhood I think I'd probably ever lived in, in my life. And so my kids ran around with a group of kids who um, all looked different. So there were kids from all different kinds of races and all different kinds of backgrounds. And that was really kind of my first real view into what, what it could look like, right? Because my Mm -hmm. kids didn't care and the other kids didn't care. And I remember, oh, there was this little girl who my daughter was friends with, and she had these cute little cornrows with the beads, you know? Oh, and my yeah, daughter yeah. wanted beads in her hair so <laughs> bad. And I was like, well, first, I'm not real good with hair. And second of all, you don't have the right hair for this. And third of all, like, I don't even know where to buy the beads. Um, yeah, that was kind of my first, my first, um, I guess my first conscious exposure, certainly not my first honest to goodness exposure, right? But my first conscious exposure about thinking about race and thinking about diversity and thinking about what that means to be um, inclusive. I I didn't have that language, right? I didn't have the diversity inclusion language at that point. But that was the first time I really thought it's important. It is important. This is really super valuable that my kids are having this experience where they are growing up with friends of all different kinds of backgrounds. And mm-hmm. um, I think from that time, it became important um, for me to see that continue um, when we, you know, would move on to other neighborhoods. We, we would see it as um, a real strike against a neighborhood if the neighborhood was completely homogenous and there, everybody was going to look just exactly the same. Um, and so, yeah, as I kind of moved into HR and thinking about um, thinking about diversity and inclusion and thinking about, you know, I said earlier, it took me a long time to find my own voice, right, as a mm-hmm. woman. And so thinking about what it means to have an authentic voice <clears throat> and then what it means for everybody to get to, to get to have their own authentic voice in an organization 
um, yeah, it just becomes, it becomes more and more important as time goes on. Right. And, you know, and I think the, the cool thing now, your kids are obviously older than mine. Um, yeah, I probably, think that my I think that my grandchildren are closer in age to your children. Probably, my, but, my are, but okay. your 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 girls, my girls, are probably more of that quote colorblind. I don't like that term, but that colorblind society that we were told to be. In that they don't care. They they this is just my friend. This is just you know this is my friend, right. and she happens. To, Oh, you know, and they are okay with saying, yeah, mom, that black girl over there, that's my friend. Because they know that's how to identify her. So when they are colorblind, they're not trying to come up with this convoluted way to describe somebody. Oh my gosh, right? You know, because we well, can't it's say. the girl over there who's about my height with the curly hair wearing pink and, you know, well, there's three girls over there with curly hair wearing pink. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I get it because I did make the mistake once we, were, we had a rerun of the Jeffersons on and we're explaining something that was going on to the girls. And I said, well, <clears throat> the older black gentleman and my husband's like, what are you talking about? They're all black. Why did you have to use that? I was like, oh, well, it's the Jeffersons. So I go back to 1976. <laughs> right, right. I'm just back there. <laughs> that's what we did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, what you I think it's true. So I think, so that was the danger of colorblind, right? When we right. said colorblind, what we meant was, I don't want to see any differences with anybody. I want to treat them all the same. Yep. But what we really meant, the subtext to that is, I want to treat them as if they were like me because I'm the norm. So if I don't see their color, I can, I can make them assimilate to be like me and be, yeah. and, and white was still the norm. And I white think the right. beauty of today, right. And I think the beauty of today, like you said, our kids um, is that, they do see color. They do see different races. It just, that isn't a basis of judging someone. So you can embrace right. somebody's background and their culture and everything that makes them them and their lived experience. Yeah. Um, and you can name it because it doesn't threaten you because yeah. it's cool for people to be different. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. and it's been a few years, but some, and I wish I rem could remember who it was, but I heard somebody say, America can no longer be a melting pot. We're, we're not all right. coming out the same. We need to be a, a stew. Yep. Where we all come in and we work together and we create this awesome, delicious <laughs> stew. Mm -hmm. But you still have the potatoes do their thing and the meat does its thing and the, the carrots and the broth and everything has to work together in and bring itself to the stew mm -hmm. for it to be different, to be delicious because a stew with only beef is not going to be as good. It's as, not really stew. It's not really, it's just <laughs> a lot of beef. You want, it's just a lot of beef because you don't <laughs> even have any just broth. a bowl of meat, right? It's a bowl of unseasoned meat. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that, you know, and I certainly, I grew up in the melting pot era. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the danger of the melting pot was um, the only way, the only way that works. I mean, the melting pot is white supremacy, right? Because the yeah. only way it works is that everybody has to assimilate to white culture. Yeah. And we're all the that, same. That is white supremacy and it doesn't serve people of color. But it doesn't serve white people either. No. I mean, we are, we're hurt by it. Yes. Um, uh, we get a lot of power 
I mean, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to think about not, not individual people, but like systemically, systemically, yeah. systemically, the system is built for white people. And it is hard, I think, for a lot of white people to think about how to tear those systems down and that it means ceding some power. But it, if you, it, do we want power or do we want humanity? Because well, from a, a humanity standpoint, we lose. We do. And I think, too, we need to, uh, the whole power and privilege thing. So when you come from a small, small town like I did, mm-hmm. you don't understand privilege mm-hmm. at all. You don't. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't see it. You can't mm-hmm. see the advantages that you got from being a white person mm-hmm. that your road and it's not diminishing what you did. And that's what people, mm-hmm. so many people take away from it. Well, I had to work for everything I did. Yeah, you did. We're not taking that away. Mm-hmm. But you had a slightly easier path mm-hmm. than the Native Americans on the reservation did. Mm-hmm. Just as you had a slightly easier path and it's okay. You did, you worked hard. We're not taking that away. And I think too many people see that as you're saying I'm, filthy rich and sitting up in a mansion with 2,500 rooms jetting off to Paris. No, that's not what privilege is in this conversation. This is not lifestyles of the rich and famous. Right. Right. Just be aware. You need to be aware that your road is probably a little bit easier than somebody else's. And I think that, again, that goes back to why those stories are so important and why we need to share and people need to share in their own voice. I can't tell somebody else's story the same way. I can give you, I, I can walk through somebody's joke. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like trying to relay a joke to somebody. I am never going to deliver it the way the professional comedians do. Because I'm not a professional comedian. <laughs> I'm right. not going to land it. You might giggle a little bit, but you're mm-hmm. not going to be rolling on the floor, tears streaming out of your eyes because, you know, Robin Williams is Robin Williams and I'm not. <laughs> Go, figure. Go figure. I know, shocking. So no, I think that's what I, we're trying to do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, the the whole point, and I feel like we did much better tonight, although there might have been one or two rabbit trails we that's okay. kinda we kinda wound we went, down. But but we're bringing it back. You brought it back apple very nicely there, Wendy. I'm impressed. <laughs> um it's stories, right? So you shared some of your story. I shared some of my story. That's not our whole story. There's so much more no. to our stories. Um, no. And when we have our guests on, they're not going to get to share their whole story because, you know, podcasts last about a half an hour. Right. Um, but I think, you know, so some of this is you and I sitting down thinking, okay, so what has been sort of a common theme in yep. the conversations that we've had with the guests that we've had on so far? Some of it was a conversation, quite honestly, what differentiates the HR Wonder Women series from your original podcast series yeah. with John, the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast, which is amazing, by the way. And if anybody is listening to this and they haven't heard that, go listen to that. <laughs> um, yes, please do. Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great podcast. And, and that one, I, I feel like what you guys do with that podcast is you say, here's another HR professional. And we're just going to, this is like what it's like to just sit down over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or a beer or whatever, and mm-hmm. just chit chat and get to know each other a little bit better. A lot of which though is like, like, tell us about what you do. Tell us about how you landed mm-hmm. in HR. Tell us about, um, you know, relate your story 
predominantly through an HR lens. Yeah. And what and what differentiate what differentiates us here, I think, in this podcast is tell us about your story through the lens of you as a woman, as a woman who is um, black or LGBT or Latinx or whatever it is, right? However, um, you a woman with a disability, identify. whatever, whatever from that sort of intersectional. Tell us about. Mm-hmm your intersectional experiences and then use that to put an H use that to, to, to look at HR. So it's instead of like, let's look through an HR lens at stuff. It's let's look through this lens at HR. Yep. And um, so it's, it's not, it is not a complete and total departure from the original standard podcast that you and John do that again, if you haven't been listening, you should, but I think it's important that people know, like, what's the difference? Why, what would be the difference between, you know, um, our conversation with Sarah Morgan and a conversation that you and John would have right. with Sarah Morgan? And I think that, you know, that's the difference, right? You want to know no. about, about her experiences in HR, of which she's got tremendous experience. Um, right. Listen to that one. You want to know about her experience as a Black woman doing HR? Mm-hmm. You know, listen to yeah. ours. And I didn't mean to single out only... Sarah Morgan. We've had excellent guests who have all we, had we have wonderful had awesome things to guests. say. And, and honestly, one of the things that John and I have kind of said is that right now we don't want to cross over guests yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to have yeah. any crossover yeah, episodes yet. Um, we do have people that have been on um, the social hour that we would love to sit down and talk with. And um, fingers crossed, maybe we can get some of us in one room because we'd love to have a fun panel discussion. Um, yes. And just just talk and have, we'll have mimosas and Mm -hmm. it'll get crazy. Um, And and so I think that's, that's what we're doing here, Anne, is we are Mm -hmm. just, we're the spinoff. We have our own little flair of, of talking about it from that uncomfortable way. And I do (laughs) believe it was Sarah Morgan. Um, I love that we're quoting our guests in this, in this, Um, but Sarah Morgan uh, made a comment that we need to be, um, we need to get uncomfortable, mm-hmm. shut up and listen. Yep. And so I think we are two, you know, mottos for the show um, come from Sarah and Elena. Yep. <laughs> because we want to hear your stories. We want to shut up and listen to your stories. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know what, that's, I, I think we're going to close it off here. And yep. this, this, was, this was our opportunity to talk. And then yes. the rest of the time we shut up and listen. We are. So, there you go. yes. Um, so we've got some great guests that we're working on. We don't have anyone um, booked yet, um, but, or who's, you know, would say, yes, go ahead and use my name. Um, but we are super excited um, to. I was going to say, we do have people booked. We're just we not do have people dropping. booked. We're just not name dropping yet. We're not name dropping at this point, um, but we are. We don't want people um, saying, my gosh, they are really just fly by night. No, we, we are planning know. this out. Um, but we are, you know, we, we do want to um, encourage if you know of someone who is willing to, who is in HR, who is a, a person of color, a person um, who is LGBT, disabled, who is willing and would love to share their story, we would love to meet them. Um, we really would. Um, so please uh, make that introduction. Huge shout out to Skill Scout for helping yes. us with editing this. Um, they are love working with them. Yes. Um, so that, that has just been fantastic. And of course, uh, the HR social hour, which we never would have done this if John hadn't talked me into about a year ago, uh, 
joining him in this little adventure. So um, shout out to John and the HR Social Hour. Join us um, fourth Sunday of each month for the HR Social Hour Twitter chat as well. All right. And how can our, how can our listeners reach you? Uh, best way is on Twitter. I am at Ann Tomk, A-N-N-E-T-O-M-K. Uh, you can also probably find me on Facebook. Um, you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn, but the place that I am the most active is, is certainly Twitter. And um, yeah, I'm not, yeah, that's good. Everything else there. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with me. Find us on Twitter. Talk to us on Twitter. Please do. Um, and if you see us at a conference or something, please come up and say hi. We'd love to meet you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Wendell93. Um, so Anne, thank you for joining me on this adventure. It has been um, awesome. I'm excited to uh, see where we go in 2019. I am equally excited. Thank you so much for inviting me along on this adventure. It is amazing. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now you all go tell your story. <laughs> <laughs>